Hey Rock Sliders, it's Travis Hobbs here. Today's episode is going to be a little different. I was asked to jump on the Finding Backcountry podcast that's hosted by Dustin Whitwer. We dive into a bunch of stuff, mule deer, and how important I think preseason scouting is and kind of the why I think it's important. I think you guys will like it. We decided to throw it on here too. I also wanted to mention I appreciate all the feedback we've been getting on the podcast lately. It's been pretty cool to see all of the reviews, all of the... people sharing it on instagram it's it's very cool um as kind of a way to say thank you i wanted to give a couple books away um this is robbie's latest book hunting big mule deer the stories i got a couple signed copies here um by the man himself robbie denning i'm going to send them to a couple people that'll send me a screenshot that maybe you've rated it on what whatever platform you're listening to this on uh, I would appreciate it. You can send that to me on Instagram or Rockslide or just to share on Instagram, whatever. I'm just going to select a couple of random guys and I'll send you guys out a copy of this book. I appreciate it. Uh, keep it coming. If you guys have any thoughts, whatever, you can reach out, me or Robbie. Uh, anyways, it's good stuff. Hope you guys enjoy this. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. So yeah, I got uh, Travis Hobbs on, and you know Travis is a uh, mule deer giant killer and a mule skinner, mule man, and a bow hunter. You said you're shooting your bow tonight. Yep, I dude, I don't like getting new bows. It's one piece of gear, man, that I've never been like the biggest fan of switching all the time and trying to I don't know, I just get stuck in my ways, I guess, with a bow and I just like to shoot what I like. Well, I've been I mean, I feel like you do got to that's kind of a fine line cuz I mean, every so many years these bows just get so much better and Yeah, they yeah so I just it. Yeah, I just upgraded, and I'll be honest, I, I'm loving it. Like, it's it's maybe, and I know everybody, I feel like everybody always says this, like, it's the best bow I've ever shot, but I really am, like, I'm super happy with it. No, um, like, dude, there's there's some truth to that, right? Like, like it might not be the best bow that XYZ companies ever made or yep. or whatever, but there's just certain bows that hold and and steady up better for me or for you or whatever, right? Like, for sure. What are you shooting? So I just got the Phase Four. I well, I shouldn't say I just got it. I got it a couple months ago. Um, the Matthews Phase Four. Mm-hmm. And man, like as far as a dead bow, like in my hands, like when you shoot it, it just feels so smooth. I've been a Matthews fan for quite a few years. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of one of them guys and I do shoot the other bows, but for some reason, I don't know why I just go back to Matthews. I just, they've always just shot well for me, performed well. I've never, you know, really had any issues, but this new, uh, can't this new limb design they have. So it's kind of interesting. 
and probably everybody know. I don't know if you're in archery. No, I'm sure I've, everybody knows this, but I mean, they got I've, this. I've seen them, right? I've like seen it on, in Instagram or whatever, but that's it. So like their limbs are like a split limb, but they have, I think it's like a rubber or something. I, I don't even know, but it's like multiple limbs. Dude, and when you shoot it, and I had heard this from a few guys, actually on Rockslide, I think it was Les Welch did a review, and he's a Matthews guy, and I kind of followed his, what he says. You know, like, I think their last couple flagship bows, he's kind of been like, um, and I could be wrong, I'm going off of memory, but I think he's kind of just been like, oh, they're good, you know, there's some improvements, but on this one, he was like ranting and raving, and I'm like, man, maybe I better... Maybe I better look at it. It's kind of time, and I any anyways I ended up doing it. But it shoots. It's just so quiet. It's really smooth. The draw cycle's great. Um, I, I'm I'm shooting it really well. And one of the coolest things. I don't know if you've tried the new option site. Mm. No, not Dude. their site. I, I've got the equalizer. Dude, this site. I'm sitting here. I was just messing with it tonight and I'm like, how has nobody come out with this yeah. until now? And Dan, you know, I years and years ago when I used to be really like, I was really big into it back. I think he was with he trophy taker and he, I think he, did he invent the single pin site? For some reason I want to say that, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I know the guy invented a bunch of cool stuff for archery the owner of option but dude this site is so amazing it's expensive yeah i but i honestly can't think of a site and i love a single pin but i've always had these hesitations with single pins just there's that whole time when a deer deer moves you can't dial and it just it was been one of those things so this being able to flip that out um have my single pin and then you flip it back in and you've got uh basically i got the cp5 yep everything's set and then the long range adjustment it's it's just super cool and i'm doing a horrible job i'm sure uh describing it but if you get on their website check it out the youtube it's super cool i've been pretty impressed with it so and then i did try the equivalizer and i've i've uh wondered about it for years and i got that and i really like it i mean it's just a cool design Saves a little weight, I think. You know, you can still run it like a normal equalizer, but you can um, put it out, and I, I really dig it. I think it's a super awesome design. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Um, yeah, same thing on the equalizer, right? I've noticed, obviously, having that, you know, much surface area out in the front, if it's real windy, um, mm -hmm. you know, it not only blows, you know, moves your bow, but it, um, it creates almost that torque, right? Because or, mm -hmm. or that, that fulcrum right at your hand, basically, because, you know, now you've got this almost like a gate, you know, that's kind of swinging. Yep. And, and so I, I can see it, I could see in bad conditions, it not helping you. Um, but my gosh, like when I shoot that, um, <clears throat> And we'll talk, I'll talk about the bow thing too. And you talked about switching bows, but like when I shoot with that in, in let's call them like, like mild to, you know, dead conditions, right? Like, yep. dude, it just that I've got the, um, so same deal. I, 
in theory, I'm like you where I don't like to upgrade my bow. And yet I find like every two years I'm upgrading my bow. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and what's funny, Travis, is you were th- as you were saying that I'm like, man, it's so weird because I'm that way with a lot of other gear, right? I still, let me give you some, for instance, I've run that Kafaru 22 mag for like 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've ran the same copper spur two person tent for like eight years. I've ran the same sleeping pad for like 10 years. I've ran the same sleeping bag for like 12 years, right? Like when I find stuff that works, I'm like, like? dude, I'm like, why? No, 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 not interested. There's no reason. Why would I? But for some reason with bows, like, like you said, I can't not get on the hype wagon or whatever, you know? And I'm like, ah, frick. And then I'm set. and And just yesterday I was putting my, you know, I'm just getting my new, you know, I've been shooting all quite a bit actually, but I'm just getting my setup, you know, redialed and, yeah. you know, start shooting fixed, you know, the sever, like practice broadhead and stuff. But yeah, what is it about bows that just sucks you into, but anyway, Dude, I think it's just, yeah, technology is just like some of these things that they come out with. And I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing how cool, I don't know. It's just awesome. It's cool stuff how technology and you know and i keep saying i'm like well how can they make a better bow than this you know i think back when i was a kid you know i used to shoot competitions when i was young and i i I just think back then like how cool it was and but you compare it to now like back then what i was doing to compare to now it's just it's so unbelievable and tolerances are better we just got better gear all the way around i mean i don't know it's it's crazy but then i'm weird because i do get stuck like when something works really good for me i'm just i'm gonna keep using it i don't know it's yeah one of those things but if you you know if you get a situation i mean i guess i guess to sum all that up like you know a tent you don't really like, okay, yeah, there's, there's a little bit lighter tent or there might be a little bigger tent, but once you find a tent that you like, it's really not going to be the competitive advantage that like kills the buck or not. Right. Like as long as the thing, as long as the thing stays standing in three or four season type deals, you know, and it doesn't collapse and it, you know, like it's going to do its job. Right. And so I don't, I don't feel like I need to upgrade that thing every year. You know, even if there's new fancy schmancy, tent that's you know a half ounce lighter or whatever for sure but you do feel like that with a bow right it matters weird i don't know it's weird how it is but it's true Mm. yeah um yeah no i uh i went out this morning i did a i was you know i I listened to you guys rock slide guys and the cold bow challenge and i just kind of did i wasn't a part i didn't jump on that i should have but I just kind of did my own this morning where I'm like, you know, cause I shot last night, got my sight tape finally. Yep. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start taking this a little more, not more serious. Like, but I just got up, I ran a quick mile to kind of simulate a, a stock or, you know, hike the hike to your glassing point in the morning or whatever. And then just shot one arrow and, and I, I was relatively far. I was like 70 yards. Um, and I got shot my 3d target. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready for the season, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sent one arrow it was liver and i would have found him in you know 12 to 16 hours and <laughs> that's awesome yeah. no i think that's such a good way to practice it's so funny um i know when they uh first when they i well when i first kind of heard about it on rock slide that cold bow challenge 
I, I, I immediately knew I was like, yeah, this is such a good idea because it is funny. I know it's so easy. Like for me, I go, I usually try to hit a 3d range on a regular basis. I have a couple of them, you know, within an hour of my house and I'll go, there's different ones and they have different courses and I try to shoot, you know, but when you go through there and you're shooting 20 arrows, it's just, it's different than that one arrow like every day. And it's just, and I try to practice that way at home. Like, and I don't maybe do it. I, I'm more, I usually try to shoot an arrow just before I walk out the door to work. Like I'll just shoot an arrow. I'll get out on my porch. I'll just shoot one arrow. And then, you know, maybe when I come home or I just, every once in a while, and I try to practice that, like just that one arrow and it's kind of fun. It's uh, it's different than, you know, trying to shoot for groups or whatever. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It's good practice well, because that's a lot of times what we're doing is just in a hunting scenario. That's, yeah, that's two weeks maybe never even pull your bow back maybe it's three weeks and then it all comes down to that one opportunity and it's that's that's the money shot you know yeah so one so two things um i i do when i'm in the backcountry on a hunt i'll pull my bow back periodically right throughout the day yep. or whatever just you know put an arrow in if you're real real don't trust yourself but um i'll just pull it to keep the muscles and that memory or whatever you know anchor on something and then let down um, which I think subconsciously kind of helps with, you know, any target panic that, you know, whatever, sure. right. It, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, no. So I realized this morning that just after one arrow is as, as dumb as this sounds, but how valuable that was, was that one arrow and I shot and I told you it's a bad, you know, it was, I hit the thing, but it was a bad shot. And as soon as it was over and, and I filmed it, right. I haven't posted it yet, but I yeah. filmed it. And if you really want to put some pressure on yourself also, like film it, right? It, it's it's kind yeah. of put your phone Challenge there. Yourself. And, yeah. And what I realized as soon as it was over is I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't, I didn't take that as serious as it was, right? I didn't take mm-hmm. it, it. It just went by as one shot and I, I, I pulled it and it was like, well, and then after I'm like, frick, like that, that's the point, right? Is I didn't just like this, that wasn't. I wasn't shooting like my mother's life depended on it. Like my dad used to yep. say in baseball, right? Like, yep. yeah, that's so true. That comparison in baseball, that's exi- exactly right. Yeah. And like that one swing that's, yep. Yeah. But you got to get this bunt down. And my dad would say, you know, yes. if you, if your mother's life depended on that, you would have, you know, got the bunt down or stole the base or whatever. But anyway, yeah. Put all your effort. Yep. yep. And so tomorrow I'm going to try it again. I'm going to roll one and, uh, I'll film that one too. Maybe get them posted up, but. Funny. I think it's a good idea just to practice that way and just, and then, you know, and it's funny. Um, I try to do it too. You know, maybe there's a little bit of wind. Um, sometimes I'll walk across the street, make a really long bomb shot in there, like a one shot, or I'll try to you know, change it up, just whatever. And I, I think, I don't know. I like practicing like that. I think it's a good idea. And I kind of do it with a rifle. Like uh, I know I'll pack my rifle on my mules and then throughout the summer and I'll just, you know, maybe it's across a canyon or it's some weird angle and I'll just try to shoot, you know, a long shot, just one single shot and see if I hit, you know, just see if I connect and it's all good. And I think that kind of, instead of just, you know, going to the range at 200 yards, whatever, but it's just, I think that real world and just mixing it up and just trying for one shot, see how you do with one shot. That's good stuff. Yep. 
Yep. Getting yourself out of that. You know, I'm at the range. I'm just shooting, you know, my hundred zeros or, you know, targets I already know, or I'm shooting off the bench or whatever, just getting, getting, and then, and then, yeah, like you said, one shot, it's different. Yep. It's funny how, and it's funny how you, you do when you're shooting multiple, I mean, I can stand out there and shoot, you know, five arrows, you know, 10 times or whatever, but you do kind of get lazy. Oh, it's funny. You're just sitting there shooting and you don't, you're not really thinking about everything. You just, you're shooting and then you don't, you just don't put it all into it. So it's a good, it's a good deal. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Oh man. How's the, how's your season shaping up? Like, what do you, what, what do you, what do you got? What are you thinking? Like, it's an interesting year, bud. It's I'm nervous. Um, I think, that winter was awful. Like there's no shit about it. Um, I've been, I've been all over and it's probably the worst I have ever seen this summer, man. Like as far as what bucks I'm seeing on the ground, just overall deer numbers, it's bad. Uh, it, <laughs> I knew it was going to be bad throughout the winter. I just knew, I, I mean, a lot of our stuff, locally was still really affected from that 16 17 winter and then to have that winter come in it was crushing uh i mean i am finding some bucks they're just i'm not finding it's it's been rough and i mean i'm right in the heat of things now but that winter is going to be devastating i think it's going to be bad for quite a few years uh just locally around here just all the places i've been going you know and i'm talking Utah, I've been in Idaho, went bear hunting in Wyoming, um, spent, well, up, I guess, through the middle of June. Um, I've been kind of just bouncing around just a bunch of places that I usually can always find buck, and it's rough. It sucks. Uh, This spring has been super interesting. Locally here, uh, it was the coolest spring that I can ever remember. Uh, We were getting these thunderstorms that would come through every single night i've never seen it so green as it is right now um we were fine we are heating up and like when i say like locally we're only still 85 87 i think it was 80 something high 80s today Um, but i know there's places that are getting super hot um Oh, well, into, you know, approaching 100, and I think that trend's going to continue for a while, so I think we're going to see it dry out. But I know the feed, man, is so unbelievable. Like, my mule pastures, mm-hmm. I have grass. So I have a couple pastures I haven't I haven't put them in yet, and the grass is, I swear, to my, my uh, armpits. It's unbelievable. I've never seen it like this. Yeah. Um, I know I just, some of the local... I just barely, I just barely started irrigating right like yep. like i normally am irrigating like end of may early june whatever as soon as they turn the 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 irrigation on right yep because, you got it yes because my field and i don't have a big field just a little one but same principle i didn't we just barely started feeling like okay like we need to start dropping some water in there like it's been so wet every we had like a two week stretch where it rained every single night every day yeah yep that's how it was here too man hmm crazy it's just and i mean right now so and as hot as it was today so today's the 20th um i just 
when I got home, it just had rained like enough to cover the ground. You know, it wasn't a big rainstorm, just a weird thunderstorm rolled over. And I mean, we've been getting those. It's been, it's, it, I don't know. It's crazy. And the storms, I don't know. It's wild. They just keep rolling through yeah. and it's good. I mean, going up in the mountains, I cannot believe the feed. I was actually looking, I was on a job today and there was some antelope bitter brush on the job and the leaders on the antelope bitter brush the new growth's got to be eight nine inches i couldn't believe it like it's just unbelievable so as far as browse and feed goes for what deer are there it's going to be awesome i do think antler development's a little behind this year i seems like it right yep and that's an interesting thing to me because i've never really um i've never noticed winter to affect it even in 16 17 uh the summer of 17 i watched one of the bucks i killed um for basically the entire summer i got to look i got to watch him almost uh well a, a regular basis we'll just put it that way once every other week or something like that and i i, I was always super impressed with how developed he was and some of the deer i've been watching uh there was been a couple and i'm like wow they are so balled up like they're they just haven't developed and i can tell they got a long way to go but this next two weeks is really um i think when they usually do that you get that significant growth about right now so it's going to be interesting to kind of see what i find and how it goes yeah, and I don't know if desert deer will be different than mountain deer, but I've heard guys like Carter, um, and hopefully I'll get him on soon again because he was another one that was requested, but I've heard guys like him uh, that track deer down in the desert where he hunts a lot, and they've seen those bucks put on 20, 30 inches in like, a two-week span in august right from august mm -hmm. 1st to august 10th or you know july 25th to you know august 15th or whatever they've seen them put a substantial like 20 30 40 i want to say inches of growth yes. on in that last you know and and that's that's a lot um but and i've seen i've year, seen right yep i've seen very similar in the mountains like a couple and especially when you're talking like uh two like big bucks like two 10 plus deer um i've been able, lucky enough to follow a couple of them through the summer and i've watched a few of them get into that you know like you knew they were pretty good bucks like there was no question i, I won't say it, for me i mean when i saw them in you know the end of july i'm like yeah that deer i'm all in but i did watch the, a couple of them transform like just to giants in that uh you know two three week period it was just insane and i will say i've seen a lot of cheaters really develop and uh so drop tines on one buck it was kind of interesting he had these little nubs um that were and i don't know if this is, was just him and how he grew but like august 1st i honestly would have bet you they were just these little nubs and i'm like okay they're gonna be you know like these little teeny droppers maybe one two inch long then he had a couple cheaters that were just a little bit like they were almost looked like a ball or a mound well dude in like a two-week period those two um i swear it was two three weeks 
on the drop tying buck, especially two, they blew up to like seven, eight inch droppers. I remember just thinking like, yeah, and I don't know why that happened. I don't know. I don't understand. I guess I'm not, I'm not really familiar with how antlers develop, but it was interesting how all of a sudden it just like his tips blew up is like all those finishing points, just like he really, it just blew up right there. And you know, I've killed deer as early as the earliest I've ever killed a deer is I've killed actually a number uh, quite a few deer on August 18th. And so that I heard like August 17th, 18th, I think I know one was on August 18th. I think one was just cause I have a date that I remember, but I think one was like around the 16th or something, but right in that middle of August. And you know, and when you skull cap them, they are so heavy, like full of blood. They're heavy. I've been over at my taxidermist, watched him inject them. And like, he's pumping all this blood and you go to that September, you know, so I've killed a couple on, uh, I've killed a couple on August 30th, which would be Idaho's opening day, September 1st, right in there in that first couple days. And dude, it's like a whole different thing. Like, so when they would inject them, barely any blood, just so that transition, just in a couple weeks, it's amazing how they develop and change, you know? And I know one buck that I shot, and I actually would love to know, but <laughs> he was Bali still. So middle of August, it was the Utah archery opener. I think it opened... It was about that 17th, 18th, third Saturday mm -hmm. in August. And then he, I still think he would have probably put on another inch or two. You know, I really believe it. And I know I've heard stories from other guys, the same kind of thing. So it's just interesting antler development, how it works. And I'm like, I wonder how that long winter would have affected it if they were in like bad shape. Was that going to matter? I don't know. It's just it's a bunch of questions I have, but. Well, it's, I mean, the answer with, with animals, it's always got to be like a biological or a survival thing, right? Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I, and so I'm like, yeah, what the heck is it, right? And I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe like, you know, they have those hard winters and, and so they know that to the optimum way, you know, to grow the biggest, you know, because they're trying to grow like the biggest, strongest antlers, right? To fight yep. off whatever, right? That's just, you know, the, and, and so you know, it, it must, again, I don't know why, but there must be a reason that it just delays when it's real rough, long winter, um, so that it can maximize itself later in the year or something. I don't know, but yeah. And I, and, and I think the opposite kind of thing on like, so I know this year with the bad winter, I noticed a lot of even, I felt like a ton of bucks dropped really early. I don't know if, but I say that, I, and maybe it's just me and sometimes I wonder if I'm just ta talking myself into this stuff but then I know bulls that were packing like good bulls and generally by April 15th any bull that would be over I don't know say a five point a mature five generally his antlers are laying on the ground he's they're not packing on his head I saw some bulls this year some really good bulls that were packing way late and i wondered like i'm like man that's weird um almost up to so it was i think the latest i saw it was almost man it was almost may 1st because that opener and i remember seeing him and i'm like man that's weird and i don't know maybe that bull had something wrong with him but i saw some other ones late in april packing and usually like a big bull 
I usually feel like they're on the ground earlier. So I don't know. It's just interesting stuff. Hmm. How does your approach change looking for specifically for big bucks? Uh, how does your approach change on a year like this? I mean, I know it's, it's something none of us have really experienced. I don't think in the, in the last, you know, nothing like this winter, right. That we've ever had. Yeah, I I agree, man. Not for me. I know not in my life. Well, I don't really remember the early nineties. I mean, I remember hearing stories, but I don't, and I was alive. I was five, six. I mean, you know, I remember a lot of snow and I remember snow banks and that, but whatever. Yeah. So what, what have you heard? What do you gather from maybe guys, you know, like Robbie's or whoever that have been through this once or twice, but like, what, what is your plan going into this? So most of those guys that I know, even back then, I know very few, guys that were out scouting and like hardcore buck hunters that were out scouting early back in those days. So I don't really know anybody like that. I know there was probably a few guys, you know, you had guys doing it obviously for sure. So I just know that a lot of them guys, they told like, I remember just with those kind of guys, I remember a lot of my uncles. I remember a lot of people in like that 93, 94, 95, Dude, that ended a lot of, I ended a lot of hunting camps locally. I know for my family, I had just those guys that weren't really serious about hunting, kind of just, it was so bad when those years happened, they kind of quit. And I remember thinking to myself as a young kid, I'm like, what? They're not going to deer camp? Like, are you freaking nuts? Like, they're really not going to go? And it's just one of those things, you know, just weren't super serious, whatever, but I will say, I do think that we have, in my opinion, I don't think there's been a more significant winter kill, at least around here. And I'm talking like that tri-state, western Wyoming, northern Utah, southeast Idaho. I don't think there's been a more significant winter kill. I know 17 wasn't this bad, uh, at least in my opinion. Somebody could argue that, but I don't think there's any way. For me, what I'm doing different this year a lot of it always comes back to my history. So I always, I always have bucks from prior years that I'm leaning back on. So that's, that doesn't change. However, this year I have went and tried to look for a bunch of those bucks that I was like, okay, they're looking really good. They were young looking deer. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be on that cusp. And man, there's been, let's just put it this way. I had about 10 or 11 that I was like all in on this year. I was convinced we're going to really blow up. I have only found one of those deer um, thus far. And I still got to go check a couple spots and a couple of them. I haven't really done a lot of justice, but I am super nervous because usually that's not the case. Usually most of the years it's like the opposite. Like I can usually find seven or eight out of those 10 bucks. And now I'm like on the opposite end. One thing I am doing this year that's going to be a little different is I'm moving a bunch and I actually went, I'm considering trying to get out of the winter kill um, locally in this like area. Like I love hunting Southeast Idaho, dude. I have, I have not hunted central Idaho for a long time, but I'm really considering spending time up there just to get out of the winter kill guys. I'm talking to up there, you know, winter up around, Oh, let's say like the salmon river country. Um, 
even out through Boise. It's basically if you drew a line in the middle of Idaho in in half, most of the stuff up further north, like did it was not a bad winter. Um, it it really was in pretty good shape. I so I'm gonna I'm definitely considering that. Um, I'm going to definitely be considering in the future i will my applications will be completely different i will be looking at central wyoming i'm going to be looking at some different stuff i had a buck a few years ago i found on this antelope hunt with my wife i that was out in central wyoming and just some unheard of unit dude i'm gonna like next year i'm seriously considering that i also I'm going to go to Southern Utah. I really, I'm, I'm going to go back to, I grew up hunting down there a little bit as a kid. I had some family down there. My grandpa um, was from down in that country. They hunted all the time. I got to go down there on quite a few occasions. Um, I'm going to jump back in. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to jump down South. I think I, it's just going to change my strategies going forward as one thing that sucks. And I noticed this after the 17 winter that first year, after that winter kill, I was still finding good bucks. There's a few good bucks that I was finding through after the 19 winter. Um, and it was a pretty rough one. The 18, 19, or was it 19, 20? It was 18, 19. Yep. It was a pretty bad winter too. And dude, it like decimated, um, a lot of the age class and it was super hard and we were just kind of coming back on the rebound and then this happens. So I know I'm just going to be looking elsewhere. I'm going to get a little more serious. Um, I'm pro I'm going to try to get back to Arizona. I've kind of wrote that off the past couple of years. I'm probably going to go down there. I'm going to just back. To, I mean, some of these places that are getting, just insane moisture some of the stuff that's happened man this can like it, it's it, it's crazy how good those deer are doing and you hear some of the biologists um southern utah and kind of what some of the numbers they're seeing on fawn recruitment like that's good stuff man that's what i mean three four years down the road that could be just yeah. epic so wanna, it's just one of those things i want to know how you're getting all these tags dude i get <laughs> I am, well, I try to take advantage of every program I can as far as trying to whatever I can do. Dude, my big thing is, though, is I just take shitty tags. I really do, man. I take shitty tags. I buy uh, Colorado. Um, dude, the tags I'm hunting it is so shitty. Like, they really are. Like, it's 1.0 point areas. I just, I am weird. I like to go to the place often. So Southern Utah, for instance, one thing that's very interesting, and I don't, I, I am hesitant to even say this, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Southern Utah, non-residents do not take advantage of general season hunting opportunities in Utah. There I said it. Um, nobody does it, man. I have as a non-resident in most of the units and a lot of the general season units have better draw odds than a resident. Name a state that's like that. And why guys don't take advantage of it, I have no idea. Um, but it's one of those things. And then there's other programs. So dedicated hunter program. Not many non-residents want to be a part of Utah's dedicated hunter program. 
sucks. It's expensive. You got to put up a shitload of man hours or pay for them. But dude, you are guaranteed a tag for three years signing up for that program. And if any of you are wondering what I'm talking about, go look up the draws. It's freaking insane. Yeah. Well, you'd think, but I'll tell you a story. My brother and I had yeah. X number of points. We had points for dedicated hunter tried to jump in this year. There was mm-hmm. like nine people who didn't who nine people who applied with our points. <laughs> uh-huh. Six of them drew, three of them didn't. Guess who two of the three were? Are you serious, dude? My sister in law is like a math professor, and I'm like, I had to ask her. I'm like, and <laughs> do the math for me. What is it? And she came up with like, oh, it was like a three percent chance or something that you two didn't both didn't draw. <laughs> I'm like, what, dude? That's unreal. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. Listen, I'm, I'm the tag guy. Like, you know, I, I, I strike out in almost every draw and yet, you know, by the end of the year, I mean, I have a gimme from Wyoming, obviously. Um, Yeah. Same with me in Idaho. I mean, that's, and usually I get two in Idaho every single year. I buy as soon as non-residents. Yeah. As soon as the, um, non-resident tags go on sale, I grab one up. Yep. Yep. But I will. And I, I, I will guarantee, not guarantee, but there's a very high chance that I'll either or grab a, I'll get a Colorado or Nevada leftover again. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. And I could have had 12 tags in the regular draw if I wanted them, you know, but yes. I, I'm a little bit, because I have that Wyoming tag in my back pocket, I'm, it allows me, um, to be a lot more risky, right. With all, oh, for almost sure. all my other States, but yeah. And that's the thing is that's what I try to do is I always have a few certain tags. Like I, I will always generally, well, I've had a Utah, I've had a Utah deer tag. I would bet. I know. I know I have, I've had one every single year since, um, 2000, no, well, since I was 14 or 13 years old, I've had one every single year. I know a lot of guys that don't do that. It's funny. Um, but you could, there are units that don't, like, you can get tags. Um, and they suck. That's the thing is, I think, <laughs> dude, I eat so many freaking tags every year. It's just unbelievable. Like, I have a whole pocket full from last year. Um I usually try to get to them all and dude, and it's a fine line because I know you can definitely get too many and you don't do them justice. But when you got a couple tags that are in your back pocket, you can kind of shoot for, I don't know, the stars in a way. And then, you know, and there's other ways to take advantage of it. So like Utah, I can put in for limited entry deer in Utah. And then I can also apply for the general season deer, which is kind of an opportunity hunt, but all the while putting in for a limited entry hunt. Um, the There's like, well, Arizona is another one. So you can get over-the-counter archery tag in Arizona and still apply, you know, and I, I, I have a lot of points in Arizona. Well, not a ton, but I have quite a few. And I fully intend on someday I will be in Arizona because I'm freaking, I honestly, I'm sick of winter, so I might be 20 years, but someday I will move down there. My <laughs> points will convert over to resident and maybe I'll hunt the strip one day when I'm an old man. I just think like that. I don't know. I'm weird. Um, and then some of the opportunities in Colorado and uh, guys talk about it, but there are land vouchers. You have to do some homework. You have to dig on this and you can't just go to the normal 
hunting sites that everybody's looking for vouchers. But there are these oddball units, and I've hunted them with these land vouchers. I find a rancher down there. It's got some land. It's like, hey, what do you would you apply for these? And, you know, and usually, a lot of times he tells me, yeah, second, third season, I'll have these. And some of the prices, thousand bucks. 1500 bucks I've spent. Um, I think the most I've ever. You're going direct to the landowner themselves? Direct to the landowner. I just make contacts. Dude, and I'm always kind of putting my feelers out there. Um, Maybe a guy, usually what happens is, is I tell somebody I'm hunting in Colorado and they're like, oh, where at? I got so and so Uh, that lives there. And I'm like, oh, really? You got, you know, somebody, what does he do? Oh, he's a rancher. And my other buddies, ranchers, whatever. And I'm like, well, how about some contact information uh, <laughs> just to cold call them up yeah. and dude, those guys, a lot of those guys, well, legally they can't market their tags. They're not supposed to be marketing them. They're supposed, you're supposed to buy them direct through an outfitter. How closely that laws followed. I don't know because I feel like there's a lot of, it's uh, like this underground yes. community, right? You just all mm-hmm. of a sudden guys like you or whoever are like, well, I got a landowner, and then you're like, yep. "Wait, what? Oh, I got a landowner in Colorado." You know, and it's like, "What? Where? Like, when was it? You know, when was that? Well, it's not. It's never. It's no one. You know, it's first rule yeah. of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club for sure. <laughs> yep, and that's and most of these guys though they don't, dude. They're not thinking like like I. Well, I'll be honest. One guy that I know, it's so funny. When I asked him the price, I about fell over backwards because I had seen some tags listed on another website for triple his cost. This guy has, dude, he was blown away that I was willing to spend $1,000 on a deer tag. He's sitting there thinking, dude, you're freaking nuts. And I'm like, well, I just look at it. And it's just funny. Some of these guys, you know, they're old ranchers, like some of them. And they don't, they just really don't know. And I know everybody talks doom and gloom that you can't get tags. It's getting harder and harder. And it is, I will say in the past 15, 20 years, what I have seen change, it's unbelievable how much harder, but there's still a ton of opportunity. There's still good bucks being killed. And I dude, and I'm the most, uh, I'm the guy that has, dude, I set my expectations. Like when I go into these units, even if they're the shittiest unit there are, dude, I will literally go in there and I swear, dude, it's in the back of my mind. I will find a freaking giant. And that's just how I approach hunting. Like I always think that way and dude, it doesn't happen. And I always, it never happens, but I really do have, I, I never am thinking there's not a big buck in here. Cause I, and, and I don't know why, but I swear, that helps like your mindset it's so important because dude have you ever been with a guy you're sitting there glassing and you get a buddy or whatever that's down in the mouth like this sucks whatever dude they've almost gave up and they're giving it like this half-ass effort glassing i have been with guys doing that and they have honestly talked themselves in that they aren't going to see a deer they're not going to find one and i'm over there like no, I'm going to find a deer. And, dude, I'm finding them all these bucks. And they still are down enough. Yeah, that's probably the only one. Mm. Dude, you'll never spot one. And I think when guys really, when you just sit back, you have to think. I think you have to think like that. I don't know. That's my take. And and I know that I'm lying to myself a little bit. Like, And I know 
But dude, deep in my heart, I truly believe I'm going to find the best buck in this unit. Like I will find him. I will. I'm going to do what every nobody else is doing. I'm going to glass at two thirty in the afternoon. Whatever it takes. I'm going to long range glass. I'm going to do something different that nobody's doing, and that I'm going to find him. And I don't know, man. It's just it's funny how it works. But I really feel like that attitude. And I know a few guys that truthfully they go in with that same attitude. Dude, they're the guys that always find these giant bucks. Like they're just. I don't know. It's just funny. It's this attitude thing. And I, there's something about it. I'm convinced about it. So it's funny. Cause I've a, I've been that guy B I've almost morphed. Let me throw that. I think we're, I think we're thinking the same thing, just two different ways to get there. Right. I'm yeah. almost to the point, especially after, you know, the last couple of years with the winter and Wyoming and, like you went into it just thinking how there's not even going to be a deer over four and a half or whatever. And so I almost find myself with this attitude the last couple seasons of like, he's not there anyway. So you better look harder. Like, does that make any sense? Like, like he's not even there. And yet that's what makes me sick. Like I'm so sick to find him, the buck, the, you know, the 200 incher that doesn't exist. Yep. Right, like chasing a unicorn, and you know, it's like it's almost like you know, because I've convinced myself it's not real, I can't not keep looking for it <laughs> for sure. No, I same yeah, thing, right? True. Kind of like, yeah. And I think, and I think too, what I go back to most of the places I try to hunt places that I can go back to often, so and I try to build history. So being an Idaho resident, you're super lucky because, man, I can hit so many units. I can go, I mean, you draw a 100-mile circle around Idaho Falls. Dude, there are so many of the top, the best units that literally, if Idaho managed similar to what, uh, like a, a tightly managed type program, which I'm glad they don't, and I, and I wanted to. I'll talk about that. But if they really restricted tags, they would kill the biggest bucks. It, like I honestly believe it would surpass Colorado. It would surpass all of them, dude. The quality and just what it has produced over the years, the genetics. Maybe it's the minerals. I don't know, but I know it can produce giants. The problem is is they it is not what it used to be most guys come to southeast idaho and it's so funny how many people i talk to just non and a lot of them you know could be non-residents residents whatever everybody is so down in the mouth about it and i'm going to be the first to admit it completely sucks right now however i always know and i can find these weird bucks that just show up on the winter range and they're giants it happens in and i won't say every unit but there's always a couple that just show up and then you look at wyoming so let's look at western wyoming the biggest deer in the united states every single year show up on the wyoming winter range they're the most popular where are those suckers during the season you know but they're but they're in a general season public land there's that's all put like it's one of the most publicly held parcels that wyoming residents can go there every 
single year. Dude, and it's still producing the world's biggest mule deer. And that is what I think about all the time. Whenever I get down in the mouth, I'm always like, dude, remember what you saw this winter. Yeah. Like you were out there on the winter range. You know them bucks exist. They got to be somewhere. And I know they're on public land. I know that they're out there. And that's kind of, I guess that's probably what spending that time on the winter range gives me that confidence that I'm like, I'm not lying to myself. Like I know there's a giant somewhere. I just got to turn him up, you know, and I might have to look at 500 bucks to find that one. But I just, that's what I just tell myself. And I guess approaching it that way and being, I don't know, just using data and things you've seen. And then, like I said, man, that ability to go back every year, dude, I'm so tempted to move to Wyoming. I can't even tell you because the opportunity that Wyoming residents have to hunt that deer herd and the bucks that are out there, it's so precious. Like it, it's, it's just unbelievable. And I think about it all the time, how we're going to look back. I am convinced in 20 years, Dustin, me and you are going to get on a podcast or whatever we're doing. Then God, maybe we, uh, Nero link and we're, I don't know, <laughs> but, but we're going to look back at these times and say, what were we thinking? Why, you know, yeah. we should have done all this stuff. That's, that's the other thing, how I kind of approach is I look back at the past 20 years, dude, if I would have known what I know now 20 years ago, oh my God, man, I, it would be, I feel like I'd accomplish the world. And that's, I guess what kind of, uh, that's really what fuels me. And I think that's just kind of my approach is that I'm just going to try to make the best of everything we got. And I know it sucks right now and it's, it, I am a little down about it, but I still, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking try to find the biggest damn buck I can find on the mountain. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I, – I should have went one step further because that's, like, really what I meant was, like, you see that big buck show up on the winter range here in Wyoming. Yep. And it's like, okay, he's there, comma, I like, I can't find him. This is driving me nuts, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, not him specifically, but that's just the representation that you're using. In your but, head. yeah, but there's a bunch of them, yeah. too, you know? Like, yeah. there's a lot of good ones that maybe they – you know, when you go out there and you spend enough time – some of the bucks that, you know, never make it to, you know, I might see them occasionally posted on social media and I'm not one. I don't post anything. I see if there's a live deer, you'll never see me post a picture of it again. <laughs> but I know that there are just some tremendous deer and it's not in dude, Utah, um, Nevada, all these states, every state, Montana, I have contacts in Montana, you know, and it makes me like, shit, maybe I better get up there. But I think there's just. There's these deer in different places that are surviving. They're getting old. They're giants. And it's just like, and some of them, I know everybody knows about these high-end hunts, uh, Arizona Strip, for instance. But, dude, I what year was it? I think it would have been 2010 or 11, pretty sure. I was bow hunting in Arizona. I found this antler. Um, dude freaking giant buck in a no-name unit i've never even heard anybody talk about it a tag a place that i could go archery hunting every year and it was an old antler um i i I can't even guess how old it was i know it was it was definitely 
at least a couple years old, but that's the stuff that just drives me, man, that I'm just like, okay, I know there's just these weird anomalies and these weird bucks that slip through the cracks, get old. And then the other thing is about general season or places you can go back often when all the locals and all everybody are down in the mouth about it, dude, they're not in there crushing it. Like the Henry's like the Pontagon, like, um, Arizona strip dude. to those bucks down there have so many people after them, so many sources. And then some of these weird off the wall shithole units that are just crappy that nobody goes to dude that's what and everybody's like oh you can get a tag there every year most of the idaho residents i listen to these guys like my neighbors just people i know dude they're so down in the mouth about idaho most of them might go hunting on the opening day or they might go maybe in the middle of the week one day but they don't even get out there and get after it just because they've already convinced themselves it's over before they even started yeah kind of funny man how many of your big bucks, and if you want to break this out into like big bucks that you've killed in an in an early like September or sooner, yeah. you can. Yep. But how many of your big bucks, let's say whatever you want to call a mature buck at least, you know, or 180 plus or whatever, how many of those bucks did you see or know about before the season opened like you scouted them and saw dustin (laughs) i have only killed one significant buck that i would call significant like a i mean it's a double cheater 30 incher that was a rut hunt that i had no idea about every single one of my bucks so i got i'm looking at them here on in my office um every single one man i could tell you a story it's funny i go through every one of them but dude some of them multiple years um every one of them has been something i saw before season and killed that way every giant buck dude i have never once um i've never got lucky man in the middle of hunting season i have never turned up a big buck um during hunting well that i've killed i have turned up i can think of two that i got lucky one of them i missed one of them i never got on i never could get on him but every big significant buck that i've killed has been something i have found at least dude let me think just looking at all so yeah every one of them dude has been um something you know what i can honestly say this every one of them's a buck that i found in july (laughs) i have found every buck in july that's pretty that is what's keeping me up at night because i'm on this journey of trying to become you right trying to become whatever you know a guy who kills not just a big buck because i Listen, I was the guy who I did it on accident a couple of years ago down in Colorado. Like we didn't have any business pulling that buck out of there and a 190 inch deer just walked over the wrong ridge mm-hmm. at the wrong time. Right. Yep. We saw him for a total of 28 minutes before I killed him. Um, and that's my, my, my theory and my, what I've been processing in my head lately 
Um, I bounced all this off my wife last night because she's the only one I have to talk to really, unless I jump on a podcast <laughs> and she was, yeah. she was amazed. Trust me. She was very impressed. <laughs> she doesn't care. But, um, no, she Funny, cares. my wife does the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But it hit me all of a sudden that after talking, having all these conversations and talking, you know, you and Robin to whatever, right. Everybody, David, from David Long to Mark Smith, to all these guys yeah. that, Big bucks die during scouting season. Yes. Monster I'm bucks. I'm not talking convinced. 160. I'm not even talking 170. Cause I still feel like that's that, that realm of a three and a half, four and a half year old deer that I could probably still go kill a hundred, 170 inch deer most of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But that next level buck, they die in the summer. Yes. And, and not just not just the art of the fact that you found them, right? Tell me that I'm wrong. But when you find them, what that does, and you you know, let's say you find them in July, like you said, tell yep. me that I'm wrong. You you let's say you see them one or three or five or ten times, it doesn't matter. But you figure out where that buck's living. It's what keeps you sitting right there, looking at that hillside during the season when you you haven't turned him up or you saw him and he left and you but you know right like if 100 percent, dustin yeah frick man it's what's keeping Dude, me up at night right so, now because i'm so like i've i've been trying so hard to take my scouting more seriously um i'm to the point where you know i i have i don't know two or three total weeks uh that i could probably get away with and not lose my job completely and I'm 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 seriously debating. One week is my buddy's elk hunt. He's waited like 18 points down in Colorado. I got, I'm going on that, and I want to go. Yeah. The middle week, I'm seriously debating turning those days back in and redistributing them to to August. Yes, I think you're smart. Well, I'm going to put it this way, man. Velvet deer, deer in the velvet, red coats, velvet deer are just easier to find. And I don't care what anybody says. I will argue that until the day I die. There is something about those deer when they're in velvet. I don't know why, but they just are out in the open more longer, whatever reasons. I, I don't know. And I, I honestly think this is my, this is my redneck opinion. I think a deer in a summer coat is adapted better to be outside in hot elements and they're just better off out in the sun like they can handle it. I think the hardest time to kill a deer, and I would argue this to the day I die, is from, I would say, October about 5th to about the 28th. Um, now there is a couple great equalizers and we've talked about it before, like snow. I do think snow, you can find big bucks. You can, and I, and I, when I'm saying like the significant deer I've killed, I'm talking like 190 plus type deer, like big bucks. The, I, I know that the, well, say that again. Probably, did you say September 5th or October 5th, October 5th? To the to the let's say October twenty fifth, I think is the hardest oh, time yeah. okay. to kill a deer. Okay, I, um, I heard yeah, I heard easiest, but you yes, said hardest. Yep. 
Yeah. So oh, maybe I said that. So yeah, good. But I'm just thinking, so the Starbucks that was super popular in Wyoming, dude, I, this is such a crazy thing, man. And it's been one of the, dude, I sit and I ponder about this all the time. Like it hits me. Like I bet I think about this once a week. So here's a great example. I drive up. So dude, I'm a, I've told this story, but uh, probably a bunch. I don't know if I, but I'll just tell it again. I ended up running late one morning did not get to the spot I wanted to. And I literally was trying to come up with K. How can I best make So I'm headed up. I'm going scouting. It's July. I'm going up. And dude, my day just, it didn't start off how I wanted to. I had these big expectations. I was going to hike way back in here. So anyways, I'm running behind. So I'm like, hey, how can I make the best of it? Dude, I got lucky. I just picked this spot. I freaking park my truck and I just go for a hike. Dude, and I get up there and I got a pretty good vantage point and I end up seeing, which at the time, to be fair, I did not know it was him, but I knew it was a buck. Like I, I, in the back of my head, I thought it might've been, I really did, but I didn't, I was not convinced of it. I, I knew, well, all I knew is that buck is very, it, it, he's a giant. I'm like that he's shooter opening day, no matter what. I knew <laughs> he had, he was starting to fork, had fork cheaters, down, drop time, um, over 30 already. I mean, just a giant buck. Um, one of them ones, anybody on God's green earth, they look at that deer, they're like, okay, well, I'm in. Dude, I spent, so just a stupid, honestly, accident to find that deer. I had no intentions of being there glassing there i was running late and i tried to just pick up the pieces i was given and what i had and make it and that's how easy it can happen is just to be able to sit there now to go in deeper i literally spent dude i don't know how many days i don't know how many trail cameras i put out i don't know i did not see that deer until a week seven days before I killed him, I could never find him again. And I killed him on October 1st. I spent uncount Dustin. I spent so much time in there. I convinced myself that that deer has left. I said, I caught him transitioning into his summer pattern, whatever. He was a late migrator. That's what I convinced myself of. Dude, I wrote him off. I quit looking for him. I quit hunting there because I was like convinced. I'm like, dude, I've seen every deer five times that's around in here. I can't find him. That is what keeps me like, if there's, these bucks are so good at hiding like an old buck. So he ended up being eight and a half years old had evaded on public land, general season area for residents for eight and a half years, was a giant from, I mean, the year before I killed him, he was, I think, in the two, I've heard numbers, I don't know, I've never, but like 250 plus, easy 250 plus. So we're talking, you know, everything, I mean, golly, it was all, all over the internet out on the winter range. But this buck, like how much time I spent in there looking, looking, looking and could not find him. Dustin, he was there the whole time. Listen, like he was there the whole time. <clears throat> you cannot 
talk to me like this <clears throat> when I'm hopped up on half of a white monster energy <laughs> in the middle of July and I've got anxiety already because I haven't found a buck. Like I'm ready to jump through the freaking window, bareback my pony and just head in somewhere to look for a deer. Yes. Like I don't even know what I'm doing. Like this is well, so getting me so jacked up. <laughs> dude, it's it's but it's stuff like that, man. That but that, it's that's funny. crazy, right? Like you would, even if, like, if you hadn't seen him though, it never, like. Never. Yeah. yeah I if mean, I wouldn't have seen, yeah, I never would have found him. There's no way. Yeah, you I guarantee it. You would have sat there, even if you'd sat there a week and someone yep. told you that they'd seen the biggest buck of their life, you would have been like, okay, but like, he's clearly gone. But the fact yes. that you laid eyes on him and knew, like, you're like, that's insane. The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Some of the key features of Onyx are the ability to combine critical land data with on-the-ground exploration to build your perfect map and find success. All your save markups sync automatically to all devices for use in the field or from home. Onyx includes nationwide public and private land boundaries. Hunt with confidence and find new opportunities using color-coded public land maps, private parcel ownership information, and clearly marked boundaries. Mark locations crucial to your hunt with custom waypoints. Measure distances of your walk-in, shot across canyon, or distance to the nearest access point with lines. View maps in 3D and choose satellite, topo, or hybrid base maps to have the best, easy-to-read visual for your hunt. Go as far from the grid as you want. No cell service required. Save detailed maps, layers, and markups for offline use. With live tracking and current location features, you'll make it out and back just like you planned. Don't risk getting turned around or lost. So if you're ready to make the jump to Onyx, use the code ROCKCAST at checkout and save yourself 20%. Dude, and what happened is I give up. I give up. I rode him off. I spent time in there two days before me and my wife on another scouting trip and went into this. And it's an awesome spot, too. We found, dude, I had, I think it was five deer over 180, one over 190. One of the bucks I ended up killing the very next year glassed him up i killed him the very next year in the exact same bed i bumped him out of on opening day the year i killed scar and i'm in a completely different place hunting dude i and, and he's a book typical a book typical that i was and i would have killed him you know even so what happened was i go to a whole different place i'm in there hunting storms are rolling in these bucks dude they ended up getting all buggered up i screwed up i i basically I went through this. I went through, I rode, I took a shortcut back to camp because it was a freaking blizzard. I'm riding through the snow. I jumped this 190 plus typical. Actually, I didn't even jump him. I rode my mule within 40 feet of him. 40. Yeah, it was, dude, I I still can't believe I rode that close. And he sat there the entire time. And I'm in this, these thick aspens snowing riding my mule dude that deer just sat there like what in the hell is this in this snowstorm coming through here dude i did everything i could to get my gun out of the scabbard i couldn't get my gun out of the scabbard to shoot him and he exploded out of his bed and was gone 
That buck, I killed him the next year in that exact same bed on opening day. The same bed that I jumped him out of the year before. But whatever. So those bucks all get buggered up. And finally, I come to my senses and I'm like, I better just go over here and look. And what happened was I was hunting those same bucks Sunday morning. Yep. No, let's see. Saturday night. I'm like, okay, I'm heading out of here. I got to go somewhere else. I got to go look at something different. Just had this feeling. I'm like, I got to go look something different. I go to this whole different spot. I'm like, had to load up my mule, drive the trailer, whatever. And I go into this spot that I've been in already looking for scar multiple times to the best vantage point I know. And I told myself, I'm like, so it was Sunday morning. I said, I am going to sit here all day until it's dark Sunday night. And this is, so this is one week before I killed him. And I'm like, and then I'm going home and I got to go back to work. And I had these jobs that like, dude, I, I was so over, I had to go back to, couldn't get out of it. So dude, I sit there, a guy walks down. He's like the only guy I seen in there hunting. He's the only guy and he's hunting elk, man. He's got an elk bugle. He ties his horse. Dude, I wish I could find this guy. I'd love to just tell him how this worked. But dude, he walks, ties his horse and he walks kind of down onto this pinnacle where he can see a little better. And he had to kind of come through these little ledges. He walks down, he bugles. And I'm just kind of watching him. It's like, uh, I think it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So keep in mind, I'm back where I'm on, I'm on the mountain where I had, I had seen Scar, but I'm like, I'm a whole, I'm on like the backside. I'm, I'm coming from a whole nother angle, just like, just basically throwing a dart at the wall, mm-hmm. seeing if I can find something. Dude, this guy comes out there and he stands, bugles. And there was a few elk in there. Um, I didn't hear anything bugle back at him. And I just kind of watched him for a minute. He walks back up to his horse. And, dude, out of the bottom, like, I see something stand up and this buck take off moving. So at a, this time, I'm trying to remember the yardage. It was a long ways, like, way too far to shoot. Um, these storm cells were rolling in, in and out. Like, you'd come in, snow, snow squall, and then it'd stop, chuck and snow you can't see anything dude i'm honestly like i better go just go home like i'm gonna have to drive all the way home it's you know and i know the passes i gotta pull my horse trailer over <laughs> gotta be to work and i'm sitting there having that debate should i just leave and i'm like no you said you're gonna stay here all day what, what do you got you can get home late tonight well <laughs> this sucks but a close friend of mine <laughs> ended up shooting himself that exact day. And it's a weird thing. And I haven't really talked about it, but a close friend of mine is it's a long story and I don't really want to get into it, but it sucks. But I was sitting up there and I got a text message from him from Saturday, dude, that morning, Sunday morning, when I got, I actually got service somewhere going through and I had service sitting up there where I was glass and I'm like, and I got this text message and dude, no shit. I'm sitting there the whole day. I'm like, I ought to text him, you know, and I'm just, I didn't have service. It wasn't great. I'm like, I'll text him later. And dude, I get a phone call from another friend and tells me all this. Like, I'll never forget it. But so I'm kind of sitting up there. Just, it's kind of one of them days, but that guy comes down, bugles, whatever. And you know, that whole internal debate that everybody has, everybody's been sitting there like, should I stick it out or should I go? 
Well, for whatever reason, he's like, I'm going to stick it out. The guy comes down, I'm watching him. And I'm still, I remember literally thinking, God, there's a guy over there. Maybe I should just go. Like, just call it a day. Dude, there is Scar. 100%, like, without doubt, that's him. Like, I'm looking at him. Dude, and I watch him go around. He doesn't run, doesn't make a whole bunch of commotion, all by himself. Goes around, out of sight, can't see him. And, dude, I am freaking, like, losing my mind. I'm like, okay, now I what? just spotted <laughs> the biggest buck. Like, that was, dude, like, that's when I realized, like, I had found the biggest buck in Wyoming probably that year. I had found where he summered, and I had him all to myself. Like, where he was going, there's nobody over there. Dude, I had to go back to work. Um, long story short, tried to adjust, go down Canyon. I could never turn him up again, but I knew he was there. I knew he was there. Went into some thick stuff. I couldn't see him. Dude, that was the worst week I've ever had in my life. Like, I'm sitting there, and I have a friend up hunting. I'm texting him. Like, hey, you seeing anybody? Dude, and, and to be honest, I didn't tell a single person except for my wife that I had seen him. I didn't tell a single person a buck like that. I don't know, man. It's a weird thing. Um, it'll make people do crazy things. It'll make people do weird things. And it's just, it honestly was almost not even real, but I never told a single person. So I got a buddy and he's up hunting. He was hunting some bucks. He, uh, I'm asking him, I'm like, dude, you seen anybody in the trailhead all week long? He was up there almost the whole week. He's like, no, nobody's there. He's like, why? What's up? And I didn't tell him, you know, and it's funny, but I never told him anything, you know, and I was just trying to, but he's sitting here telling me nobody's in there. And I'm like, okay, that buck's there. I know he's there. So when I got, I think, I think I ended up being able to pull out Friday. So I got Friday off of work that week. So, dude, the drive home that Sunday, mm. I was honestly like, dude, and I, I've got jobs lined up for my best clients, like guys that literally feed my family and me, make me a living that I have put off. I have promised I'm going to be there this week because I basically worked it so I could hunt those opening, the opening week. And then I was like, okay, and then I'll go back to work and then I'll come the last few days, whatever. Had to go back. I couldn't let them down. Big jobs. They couldn't. I had to be there. Dude, I was such a mess that week at work, man. I don't think I freaking accomplished anything. All I could think about was that deer. All I could, like, it was on my mind 24-7. I get Thursday, I think I ended up getting enough work done that I was able. I'm like, dude, guys, I'll catch you up next week i'm out dude for thursday night i got home my wife wasn't even off work yet i loaded my mule i loaded my horse trailer and freaking away i went dude i drove two hours i'm damn near i'm freaking i'm i'm way into wyoming my wife calls me she's like chav uh you missing anything mm -hmm. I'm thinking, <laughs> no i'm like what do you mean She's like, your binoculars are sitting here on the counter. That's how big of a shit show mm. I was, dude. I couldn't even, I wasn't even thinking straight. So, dude, we go up there. Um, I pull in. 
on Friday morning at no, I got because so she met me. I think I got in there at about midnight. So she drove, met me about halfway. Then I had to turn around and I went back. Hey, that's, Dude, a, pulled, that's a keeper right there. Yes, one hundred percent. No, it's not. Yeah, that yeah, drove by. a long yeah. ways to get <laughs> <in> my binoculars. <laughs> Dude, I drive. Um, I drive up to the trailhead. There's horses, trailers, everything <laughs> at the trailhead. I'm sitting there thinking, what? Dude, and I'm all just down about it, thinking, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna go around. I, I don't even remember how this worked. But anyways, basically three days, man. I sat in there. Well, it was at least, sure, was it Saturday? I can't remember. Dude, anyways took me two freaking days to find him again. I sat up there on the same place looking, can't find him. I'm all worried. I'm like, dude, did somebody bugger him up? So I know where he is. Dude, the snow was so bad. There was, I run into some guys in there hunting. The snow came in and it was blowing. It was horrible. I'm sitting up there. I'm like, the morning was actually pretty decent. The day I killed him, it was a Sunday, October 1st. Um, the morning was pretty decent and then the snow just, dude, it was relentless. I'm like, God, what am I doing? Like, I got to do something else. Should I go around here? Like, maybe I should just, and I think, oh, I was able to hunt. I was able to hunt Monday and Tuesday. I think that's how I scored it. So I'm like, maybe I should just go down to the trailer, dry up and I'll come back in the morning. You're not seeing anything, dude. I ended up freaking spotting him bedded in the most, the craziest place. Long ways off, too far to shoot. Anyways, ended up getting him killed. Uh, the story about killing him, I I had to drop off the mountain, kind of come up on the same side with him because I was so nervous, man. I was so I was wound up. I'm not gonna lie, like it was probably the most wound up I've ever been. Like because I'm just everything's playing out in my mind. Like this buck, and I'm like he isn't going anywhere. And there was a spot I could see, and I'm like I should be. I had this debate. I could kill him at about 800, shoot at him from 800. And I feel confident. I, I mean, I really do. It was, it wasn't, there was wind, but it wasn't anything that I didn't think I could, uh, that I, but it was in the back of my mind, like, you better get closer. Like, don't screw this up. <laughs> so I'm looking over. I'm like, Hey, I think I can get to this point and I'll bet I can see him from 400 yards. I, that's what I was guessing in my head. Well, it ended up being, I got over there, dude, the bucks out of the bed not there and i'm like are you kidding me dude he's feeding has no idea i'm there he's heading up he's just feeding up but dude i have seconds to pull this off no time to dial a scope no time to do anything i have just a holdover so i have the night force they don't make them anymore which sucks but it has a reticle in it that uh basically you zero at 200 then you got a 300 hash 400 it's basically like a customer it's like mm. a reticle is uhd5 mm. for basically my drop everything so dude i i feel confident with that and at 400 so i dude i had two seconds i pull out my harris bipod dude and this is how things work you have seconds to get it done i dude i deploy my harris bipod it explodes, Dustin. Like, I'm not kidding you. It exploded on me. Springs everywhere. It made the loudest noise. And I'm like, dude, I grab my pack. 
I'm leaning on my pack and I'm a big bipod guy. I like bipods. I just feel better shooting off of them. Grab my pack, but it's a 400. I'm confident. Dude, I get one shot as he's kind of heading up. There's like a ridge behind him. He knows you're there. No, dude, he was looking my way, but he wasn't nervous. He wasn't running. He did look my way because when he swung around, dude, I about like to see that buck in your scope. It's it was next level. And I'm like, you're good. Just get it done. 400 yards. You got one shot. Boom. Well, because I was on my backpack and not on my bipod, I didn't see my impact. impact. Yep. Yep. Have no idea. And I'm like, I didn't hear anything. Dustin, there's this big log, pretty unique log. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, he was right behind the log. Let's just ride around here real easy. And dude, I'm a believer. And a lot of guys will disagree with me, but I have seen deer act pretty different around stock animals like riding. An unshoed mule can sneak around pretty damn good. And I'm a big, like, I've rode up to, I told you about that other big buck. So I'm like, I'm going to ride her all the way to the top and I'm going to come down because it was basically a draw on the other side I couldn't see. I'm like, I'm going to come down that draw. I'm going to work not come down the ridge, but I'm going to just work where I can pop over in multiple places and see down through there and make sure he's not alive. So dude, it takes me, I don't know. I think it was four o'clock. I about when I shot again, middle of the day, I could tell you stories till midnight about middle of the day deer. But anyways, come down this ridge, no sign of the buck. I don't see anything, no movement. I can see pretty good into this stuff. Dude, I come down, I get to that big log. I'm like, all right, dude, there's some big buck tracks. Dude, there's this buck track going up over the ridge. No freaking blood in it, dude. And I'm like, you freaking blew it, man. I sat there because it's raining. It was fresh. I'm like, dude, you freaking idiot. Like, you blew it. You blew it on the biggest buck ever. About to send Harris an email. Oh, I should. Dude, I was feeling so sorry for myself. Like, I I honestly was so depressed. I'm sitting over there, dude, and I make five circles, five or six circles, like no blood, no hair. I got nothing. So I start walking the track out. So I'm walking this track out, and it occurs to me, it's like, dude, he would have ran when you shot. This track ain't running. There's no freaking, he didn't run. And so I start looking around. Dude, I look like 60 yards down the hill. There's another freaking log exactly (laughs) like the one that I had seen. Dude, I go down there. There's that buck laying, scars laying behind that log, dead as a doornail. Dude, didn't take freaking two steps. Only thing that happened is when he fell, he slid just a little bit, and I couldn't see him. Dude, there he was. And, like, to put my hands on him, man. Amazing. Dude, I hope... Like one day, I just hope like, dude, I'll live the rest of my life just trying to, you know, duplicate like that feeling of like those significant deer. It's the best in the world, man. There's just nothing like it. And man, I sat up there. So I had like one bar of service, got enough service. I called my wife. I'm like, you're never going to believe this. I'm like, I killed that freaking deer. And she's like, no way. I'm like, I did. Dude. And I took a bunch of pictures. Um, And it was so cool, man, because during when I was looking for him, it was snowing. Dude, like the clouds, as soon as I found him, like the clouds parted. Dude, this like there's this epic sunset, dude. I sat there holding that deer. 
built a fire up there, dude. I sat there till freaking midnight. I didn't even move. I didn't even care, man. I just hung out, Took walked out, in. dude. Yeah, dude. It was just one of the greatest times of my life. I packed him out at, uh, I think I got to my truck. I had to walk. I just loaded him on the mule and I walked out and like that picture, man, I'm looking at it right now. And I got the Eastman's cover. I was on the cover of Eastman's. Um, I remember that picture before, yeah, I, dude, before I ever knew you. Yeah, it was, it was so cool. And dude, and it's so funny because I never meant for like my mule to be sitting in the background. Like I took a bunch of pictures of my mules there in the background, the sun's like it's light in the sky just a little bit, but it's kind of pretty much dark, dude. It was just, and, and like, I just had this crappy camera and like, dude, how cool it turned out and the whole way out. And so I had no service or anything. Um, when I got down into the bottom, <laughs> dude, it's funny story. I ended up, so I had, I had occasionally been seeing grizzly tracks, which was weird because they're not super common through there, but there are some. And dude, when I'm walking out, there's grizzly tracks, fresh grizzly tracks coming right up the trail mm. over top of my mule tra mm. tracks. I'm like, holy shit, like this is wild. But it was cool, dude. And I didn't even care, man. It was like this. I don't know. I could, it was the best walk out I've ever had in my life. And dude, just watching him. And I wish I got, had some pictures of that buck tied up on the mule, like coming out with the dark and it just, it wouldn't work. But dude, it was, it was pretty epic, man. And I think back about it all the time. It's just wild. And that ended up being the second, um, he ended up being, he broke off. He broke off his split cheater. He definitely had shrunk down that year. He ended up, I think, like two in the two 15s. He's like 35 inches wide, downturn main beams. Got some wild eye guards, just some extra little cheaters. Like just, and he's got one big like hook cheat, like a, a drops. It's just wild, man. I, I think about it all the time. Like that that buck and well almost every deer that i've ever taken but those bucks just teach you like the, how hard it is and how much time a guy has to spend to really i mean it just opened my eyes man that when you find something good you better stick with it like and i just think if i would have zigged instead of zagged any of those, like all the like puzzle pieces and just the way that the cards fell to make that happen. Shit, dude, it's just, it's rare, you know, like it, well, it really it, is. It, it is. Yeah, it is. It is luck, right? Like, like you said, oh, I've never lucked into one during the season, but like, you know, yeah. you, you luck into them before the yes. season, but it's not luck when you're just there. You know what I mean? And for sure. And, and I, I'm still trying, man. I'm still trying to kill. A, a a big mature buck on purpose like that where I know about him before the season and then execute like that whether it happens you know luckily or not or whatever but um yeah that's an awesome story yeah I just yeah. I just it's recorded cool stuff man these deer just oh you just you know you, like you can't even and I I've seen what big bucks can do right um but you can't even fathom really how secretive and how secluded and how yes. out of the way those bucks can stay um, until you witness it, right? Yep. Until you actually see it and watch them pull it off. You know, I just had um, from Kafaru, Ken, uh, Ken, Kenny, Kenneth 
on yeah. and the freaking podcast i used the wrong sd card and it's not there so i'm gonna have to re-record with him but um epic dude he he learned all of this in one season last year by by finding hunting and killing a like a nine and a half year old buck right like same class that you're talking with scar and um it is same story right it was like dude he's like i know he's there but like he could never he wouldn't see him for days at a time and yep. then when he did he's like that deer was you know you would get like four minutes in the morning and boom he's in the trees and then you'd get like maybe if he even came out at night you'd get a second or whatever he was he's like i knew he was laying in there and i couldn't find him you know just all the stuff right like all the stuff that you you hear about or you you know if you're lucky enough you watch bucks do it you know when when i see bucks lay down because someone's close to him right or like watch you watch people walk by big bucks right like yes. you're, i mean just until you see it and feel it you can't fathom it but once you can then it really man it just opens your mind to like you know all the things and then most importantly it opens your mind to like sit there like no yes. i'm just gonna sit here like i i know better like it could be maybe it'll be next year but like i'm gonna sit here <laughs> Dude, hundred percent. Well, and how adaptable these deer can be, like, and the how they'll exploit their environment for safety, man, and the things that they. Well, uh, God, I'm going to drag this out for long, but I got to tell you this one. Like you were saying about somebody walking by, so I this other buck, the biggest buck I've ever taken, um, two forty something double dropper got stuff everywhere. He's unbelievable. That's probably my favorite deer. And the reason he's my favorite deer is because the time dude, it was five years to get him killed. And I had never really talked tons about this. I don't know if I've ever even, I mean, he was in hunting pool. Um, man, I my pictures were just horrible. I didn't even care. But back in those days, I just kind of, whatever, but this buck lived on BLM land with, and everybody can imagine BLM sagebrush land with freaking roads going all over through it. You know, everybody knows, think of that normal, just the stuff that's all over Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, just dude And this buck. I don't know how he did it, but he actually wintered higher in elevation than he summered lived down dude guys drove by this deer i could tell you stories of people driving by this deer why i was watching him on so many occasions man and this deer dude i could never get him killed once october come around couldn't find him for five freaking years with a rifle i could find him during archery season and only for like the first couple once he went hard horn whole different animal it took five years to figure this buck out dude if people realize how that buck survived in a place like that got old didn't get spotted didn't have i had me and a couple buddies that was it that was it that were hunting him nobody was really after him had it really to ourselves there was the occasional elk hunter and one time so i had this buck bedded in his glory, the year that I killed him, 240 inches, double droppers. Um, he's got crown points. He's got split. I He's unreal. Big old eye guard. He's cool. Dude, I had guy a guy. I, 
I'm literally, I got my bow in my hand. I glass him. I'm like, dude, he's in the best position I have ever seen him in to get a stock on. And it's open country, dry. You can't sneak in on him. Dude, he was bedded right next to a road, like a two-track road that I knew was dirt that you I could sneak up so easy. I'm like, that deer is dead. I'm like, I'm thinking this. I'm like, he's done. I got him. I got him today. Like, finally, it all worked out. I got him. Dude, I watch a guy drive up the road. I'm seeing this guy come up. I'm like, please tell me he's not a hunter. I'm like, he's going to freaking see this deer right off the side of the road. Dude, he pulls up, and where he was sitting was on a ridge, and it's kind of a high point, a great glassing point. This guy pulls up in his truck, almost, like stops in the middle of the road, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to watch him kill this deer, like right out his window. Like, am I going to watch him pull his bow out and shoot this deer? Yeah. Dude, he pulls out his binoculars, Dustin. He's glassing, like just looking around. Dude puts his binoculars back, drives off. <laughs> the deer doesn't stand. He doesn't move. He just sits there. And I would say it was about the time that I think that deer, and I'm sitting there watching this whole thing. I'm like, what? Dude, the deer stands up, freaking heads off. It was the last time I seen him until I spotted him October. It was, I think, October 1st. I ended up finally finding where he was moving off to when uh, the velvet went away. Mm. Ended up getting him killed. And, like, dude, just some of the things that I've seen big bucks do, it is, they are next level. They, And I know, guys, they really are, like, a whole different animal. When they get giant, they really are just, like, a whole nother species. It's just, it's unbelievable. And it's taught me... That buck was in that open type country. Dustin, I would go up there six, seven, eight times and maybe see him once in all that time. But one thing about him in the summer, when it was like July, I could find him, I would say probably once every four days. And we're talking open, sage, um, you know, there's some aspen patches and stuff, but I think he was out there the whole time. I just could never, yeah. I mean, it just bed in that tall sage and it'd just be tough. And it's just one of those things just has taught me. And I've, there's been others too. And I go on for hours, but it's just one of those things, man, that time, if you can get out there and scout in July, I don't think, or early August, I do not think there's anything more valuable. Yep. Yep. It's, I mean, I've listened, Travis, this is like episode hundred and something, 17 or whatever. And with a healthy, healthy dose of mule deer yep. from some of the best, if not 90% of the best mule deer hunters out there. And I'm telling you, like, I've tried to put my finger on the one or two or three things that are continue to be themes. Right. And what did it, what is it, what is it, what is it? And, and of course, like, you know, just like in sports, like you have to execute the play, right? Tom Brady has to, when he, when he takes his first step back out of his snap, he has to turn his foot a certain way because mm -hmm. that's what turns his hips the right way, which gets his shoulders in position, which, you know, opens up his, throwing lanes or whatever right like like those i don't disregard the little nitty-gritty details and the skill um that guys have that kill big bucks but the big picture stuff it's like 
time. Yep. Okay. Just flat out time, whether that's yes. time during the hunt, time before the season, time. You have to. Yes. You know, it's why Robbie talks about quitting everything else because you have to have the yes. time. Yep. It's so important. Time. The second thing it's, I really believe is is the preseason scouting. And I'm talking like, you know, if we're to over the course of 5, 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years of hunting and consistently killing big bucks, um, finding them ahead of time, knowing where to look and to stay there or to not stay there or whatever, but finding them ahead of time, I think would be number two. Yes. I dude, I don't think, I think those two things literally are the thing that separates a guy that, uh, is average or above average. Everybody that I know that's doing, that's killing deer on a regular basis on a budget. And I know, there are exceptions where guys are spending a ton of money, but they're not really, it's, it's, it's different. Like for your, for your average guy, I think to be able to be consistent and to try to get it figured out, like you said, man, it's time and this time you spend in that summer scouting and trying to be as effective as you can. I really believe those two items are like, they are the most important thing. And, I know a lot of, I know it's hard because a lot of guys, it, it, Robbie, he is one of the best that I've ever heard. And he makes so much sense, man, is that for your average guy, if you really want, you do almost have to dedicate your life to it because there's just not enough time. If you want to, you know, you're going boating or you're going, I don't know, whatever it is you like to do in the summer. If you're doing all that stuff, that's okay. And I know that family time's important, but trying to get out there in the hills whenever you can is so important. It's just like that whole story. You know, I was late that day. I, I think back, I could have, and dude, I remember, I was like, man, maybe but I should that, just turn around. I knew I was going to be late. Right, but that, like, no. but that doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah. it, it, it doesn't, like, there's no, you know what I mean? There's no, like, yep. set, you know, playbook that you have to follow or rules in this game. It's just being there. Get out there, man, and yeah. figure things out. And, and you know, and the more time, and I'm convinced of this, too, and I, I've said this for years, but this is a prime example, glassing. Dude, I believe, and I believe this with all my heart, that glassing is a skill and it's like an art that you have to practice to be good at. And the reason I say that, my wife, bless her heart, was the worst <laughs> glasser I have ever seen, Dustin. I am not kidding you. When I first met her, I, dude, it would take me <laughs> when we first, and you know, when I was just hunting a bunch and whatever, and so she's just kind of riding along, whatever. Dude, it was so painful for me. Like a girl that really grew up, she kind of hunted once in a while with her dad, but whatever, but she was horrible. Well, dude, the past few years when she goes out with me and she spends a bunch of time with me 
Dude, I have seen her outglass guys, my buddies that are damn good glassers. I have seen her in the past few years outglass all of them. She will find every deer. I put a lot of confidence in her. Like when she sits down with her binos on a tripod and she gets serious, she can see deer now. And I truthfully believe like it's just that time you spend, the more you're out there, just everything makes sense. You know where to look, you know how to glass. And I think a lot of guys start out at such a disadvantage when they, when they go out, maybe it's September 1st, whatever day their archery hunt opens, whatever. They haven't glassed once since last year. And I know there's some guys that are pretty good at it, but I'm telling you, guys that are good and do it all the time, like their eyes, I don't know what it is, man, but it's something happens when you do it a bunch. You just, it just unfolds. And I'm I'm 100% convinced that that time is so valuable. Even if you get, and dude, I would say, Nine out of 10, probably 90% of the time, my scouting trips are pretty uneventful. I mean, I might see a deer, whatever, like a decent deer that maybe I'll put in my bank for next time. But a lot of times it's a waste, but it's not a waste because you're out there. You're, dude, I just did a podcast with Ryan Carter and I loved how he put this. He put it as checking boxes. And I think that is what it is, is you're just out there. You're just checking boxes. You're just going through, yeah. you're looking at stuff. You're just spending all this time big as much buck, as you can. Big buck equity, you know? Yeah. That's what it is, man. Is it's just the time and, and to work your schedule too. And you don't have to go out and, you know, I go to, for instance, um, when I have a Wyoming deer tag, man, I might go up. We might spend the day in Afton, you know, me and my wife, I'd go up, I'm glassing in the morning. I might let her sleep in, whatever. She might come, you know, with me early one morning or late one night, whatever, but I'm going to try to go up and be in prime places at the prime times, whether that's early morning, late afternoon, whatever. I'm just going to try to work the schedule and we can go do some other fun stuff. Man, I've been to Colorado, dude. I went to a Rockies game in the middle of the day. I glassed that morning until I don't remember. And we just flew down to Denver and yeah, I missed that night, but dude, I try to work it. So it's, it's not just, I'm just out there going wild scouting for eight days. I'm the best freaking scout, whatever, <laughs> dude. I just, I'm just breaking it up in little trips, like weekend trips. Maybe I have a free Saturday. It's like, Hey, wake up at three in the morning. I might have to drive six hours. Just get over there. Dude, even if it's for the morning, Maybe you, you know, have a nap in your truck and then just glass the evening and freaking drive home one day. Like you, tons of people can do that. But dude, I know so many guys that just don't do it. And that's to me the difference. And a lot of times that's how I try to break it up is just have fun. I go out and the best part about scouting season is there's not a whole lot of pressure. It's just fun. I, I just have fun. I'm out riding my mule through the hills. I'm exploring new country. I set trail cameras all over. I'm just trying to throw this net or I'm fishing. That's really what it is. I'm like fishing, just trying to maybe, you know, get lucky and hook one up. And usually if I spend enough time and I hit enough places, even like this year, dude, I fully intend. I mean, I hope by this weekend, I got, uh, I'm going to do a three day or this weekend, the next weekend, I'm going to try to be out scouting again. I'm going to get really crazy serious 
dude, hopefully I turn something up. And that's what I feel like is, and the difference between, and dude, there's not a worse feeling in the world than when hunting season starts for me and I don't have anything mm-hmm. to do. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm, I'm guessing I want to know. And that's the thing that I think I, why I like scouting is cause I'm just out, I'm out moving. I'm going to different places. I'm freaking throwing darts at the wall. And I'm just hoping that I hit that bullseye just one of them times. Like that's all it is, man. Yeah. It's just yeah. yeah you, you can't you can't do anything wrong in the summer, right? Yeah, you can't really. You can't. And I mean, I bumped some deer and it sucked. And I think I kind of screwed it up like on accident. But I found that buck. And even if I bump him and maybe I screw it up and maybe I have a hard time finding him again, whatever. I know he's there. And that's no, they don't. That's and in the, the summer, like you know they they're very forgiving and they don't, yes. they don't honestly know if you're a hiker or a or a hunter that time of year, because they're not getting, you know, they're not getting arrows flung at them. So it's different. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not creeping up on them, blowing them out at 40 yards. Right. Yep. That's a different, <laughs> they, they're smart enough to know that, Hey, something switched. Right. Um, yeah. How many dude. And, and I've only like eight, I just have to say this because I have 18 minutes left on this SD card, so okay. I feel like you and I could blow through that if we're not careful. Oh yeah, but geez, we're I'm, we're gonna wrap up here. How many bucks out of how many bucks do you have to do you feel like you look at? Let's say in the summer until you've seen or found a next level buck. Hundreds. One in a hundred. One in five hundred. I would say probably dude i'll bet you're probably closer to 500 and so then how many on average now it's not this simple and it's not this hard because there's a learning curve right and as soon as you figure out where to look for bucks and where to look for big bucks the 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 odds start going down real quick but still like let's even say it's one in a hundred just to be you know someone who mm-hmm. knows what they're looking for they're still going to go look at one in a hundred yeah bucks. they're using past experience sure. that's you've what already, i'm doing is rep, using you've past already experience been, to, yep. yeah you've already been there or or again you you and i and everybody that's done this very long you can look at a place and say well this isn't where it's going to be it's probably going to mm-hmm. be up here or whatever yeah if it's one in a hundred and you go out on a good three-day two-day scouting trip what do you typically see 20 bucks i would say so i mean yeah not this year but i mean typically well let me put it this way in 16 so in 2015 16 17 i had so many giant bucks man if people knew this is what i keep going back to and like kind of what gives me faith If I could explain, and I don't even want to tell people, but if I could explain how many giant bucks I had found in those years, I didn't know, Dustin, I had so many big bucks scouted. I didn't know which way to go, man. I was so stressed out that, like, especially in the the year 2000, it was the prior year of the bad winter. So, dude, there were so many giant bucks running around. Man, 14 was another one for me. Um, 15, dude, I had so many big bucks. And I look back at those times and how like glorious they really were. And to compared to now, it's a whole different world. Like it's so hard out there right now. And that's what's tough. So 
for instance, right now, the past few weekends, um, I was actually up in Montana messing around this last weekend, so I didn't go. But the weekends prior, I mean, honestly, I'm seeing probably 10, 12 bucks a day is all. And that's where it hurts because, yeah, I was up in that, you know, getting into that 30s, 40s. most days and i do like to do a lot of long-range glassing that's another thing that i think uh is kind of unique about me like i really i sit way 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 back i try to look at everything i don't especially during scouting i'm like finding these vantage points that i can just see so much and that really helps your buck numbers go up because you're seeing and dude i'm just glassing through deer and i mean until one's like looking like he's hanging way out past his ear i don't even i don't even pay attention for a second i'm just looking 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 and that's kind of how i go about it is i do a lot of long-range glassing um and then trail cameras that's another thing that's really i think it's really helped me over the years is just to kind of some of them thicker places that are a little weird I've been able to, I've got lucky and had some bucks come across a trail camera and it's like, Hey, once I find that deer, then you can kind of, and they're almost up there doing the work when you're not even there, you know? So that's what's funny about that is I've, I've completely written off trail cameras up here in Wyoming. Right. However, I think I need to reintroduce them to my repertoire because I am used to using them to find deer when I'm down home, Nevada, mm-hmm. Southern Utah, right? Yep. Uh, Arizona, we use them to locate deer and, you know, everything's changed down there now, but, but back when you could run them hardcore, yes. I mean, I can tell you one, you know, a handful of bucks that died because of cameras. And up here, I'm like, well, that's pointless because where do you even start, right? It's like placing a needle in a stack of needles. It's hard. You know, yep. But what I guarantee what you're using them for is once you found a buck, you're surrounding yes. him within, you know, within reason without blowing him out. You're surrounding him and trying to find any telltale, you know, exit strat, exit routes or where he's moving or did he move or anything like that. Yeah. And like for me in Wyoming, one thing that I like to do, Dustin, so let's say I'm riding down through, like let's just say I'm working down this ridgeline, I'm glassing off both sides. A lot of times just off a ridgeline, maybe it's in some older growth pines, you'll come across these buck beds and you'll look in there and do, this is one of my favorite tactics is I'll get into those buck beds. I'll look and I'll be like, okay, there's a great big buck track in this bed. I will set a camera on them beds, try to cover, you know, the beds. That's one of my favorite tactics in like Wyoming or anywhere where there's like a lot of water, like higher country stuff. The other thing I'll do is I will cover trails. Um, Trail cameras are interesting. If you, when you cover a trail, I like to find a tree that something almost has to walk around, if that makes sense. That's the trail, that's the camera angle I get, is where something has to come around that tree, like maybe the trail kinda, there's like a tree and the trail goes around it. And when I'm riding my mule, I'm always thinking about that. Like, okay, there's a good spot where I got a nice long down the trail and I'm gonna get that deer coming down the trail. Sometimes that's a waste, like you don't get anything. But that's kind of how I break it down. Even main hiking trails 
horse trails, so you'll whatever. Put them, you'll put them up without seeing anything. Absolutely. Mm. Just in places that I'm like, I feel like a bucks here maybe and what i really tried it where is it travis is it places that though in the past you've like oh there i know there's big bucks that run in here because the the no no okay well how do you know i'm just i'll throw darts at the wall man just just, trying to you just go in and how many how many cameras do you have still out there (laughs) um well, I have slowed down a lot just because of trail camera restrictions. And so, so Utah, yeah. that really affected me just because that day it's tough. Like, so I slowed down a lot. Um, I've, I'm about in the fifties to sixties right now. It's about all I can manage and do it a good job and do it justice. I'm about 50 to 60 out there. And most of the time, man, it's, it's honestly, I don't get anything. Like I could do, dude, go, going through SD cards and just mm, yeah. it's freaking garbage. You know, I yeah, don't get wind anything. Wind blowing leaves or yep. cows, you know, yeah, I mean, cattle, yeah. sheep, all that stuff. And that's another thing I do is like, uh, so Utah. Some of my favorite spots. So if I can find an old established, a lot of these ranchers. So if there's any grazing allotment, so in Idaho. I know some places that I've been riding and you walk up and there's these cattle salt blocks off. This sucks. It's hard to do this, but these, these ranchers have been throwing these salt blocks here for years. Well, those deer, dude, they've been doing it for generations. That deer's mother probably took him to that block (laughs) or he found it somehow. Dude, I found a few good bucks doing that. Just cameraing. But dude, I'm going to tell you, that's the hardest thing ever because I'm sorting through. Yeah. Two, three thousand, four, five, six thousand pictures of cattle sitting on this salt yeah, block. That's how it get, is. That's how it is running yeah. them down home. You know. Yep. Wild horses. But it's one of those cows. things. Yes, but it's one of those things that it's just you're just covering. I guess your net's getting wider. I guess that's kind of how I feel about yeah. cameras. And most of the time, it truly is a bust, and it's damn hard. And like that Scarbuck, you know, I put a bunch of cameras out. I went and found all these beds. Dude, I put a camera right where I spotted him, thinking, okay, he's going to probably hang out in this spot. Never got a picture of him. Uh, I never got him on trail camera. So that's why I kind of was convinced, too. So they can kind of fool you, too. So it's kind of, it's just, it's tough. So how, how many, how many of your big bucks have you found on camera? Let's see. So one, one buck I found on camera, um, or, two bucks. or utilized in any way. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, that's the thing is, so one buck I completely found on cameras. I do have a few, like, I should say, and when I'm talking the number, I found a lot of my like insignificant, good 170 kind of cool bucks um, on camera and hunted there because of them. But like my giants, um, one I found with a camera and then I know I utilized two that helped me kill them, I think, or at least gave me a little more information that gave me enough to go off of. But I do know, but I should say this, <laughs> two of the bucks, um, two bucks were on camera, um, few, like I had them prior and knew, like I started hunting in there, 
because of what I was seeing on my trail camera, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so enough to matter. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it's, I think it's definitely <clears throat> worthwhile. And a lot of times it is a bust and it's hard. Um, it's just hard when there's a bunch of water and those, it's just, it's, it's tough, but it definitely can help you. And it can just put a one more piece of the puzzle and it might be enough Yeah, where you gather just enough to be like, all right, I got him. Love it. Yeah. Dude, good, dude. Good stuff, man. I freaking love it. I'm uh, yeah. Epic. It's, it's just, it's the best. It's the greatest Listen, thing ever. Because- and here's, and here's why it's the greatest thing ever, Travis, because all that, all those characteristics, all that stuff that you just talked about, all the things that we've seen, all the tricks and all the little sneakiness and all the crap elk have never done that ever. <laughs> A bull elk has never been known to do that. So that ends the debate right there. <laughs> I agree. I like, I, dude. The last thing I shot was a monster bull elk. Like I love them. They're they have their place. You know, late November is a perfect time when you can't really have mule deer sure. tags or whatever. But anyway, for sure. No, it's fun, man. And it's just I don't know what it is. It's the whatever you get passionate about. And I know guys and like I and dude and I I talk to these guys that get passionate about elk and I'm like, man, that sounds fun, you know. And and I've done, you know, I just have never, dude, it just never, I don't know, man, it never grabbed me like mule deer. It's just always been mule deer for me. So well and I'll I'll even admit um that finding and killing a big bull just in general, like a I'm talking a monster, like a three eighty five, right? Yes. A book bull. I really think it's harder in general. Just, I think just you're by probably the, right. Just by the, the 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 numbers of it, like like actually finding and killing one. But mm-hmm. but you, tags are yeah 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 being able to be in those places and find them and do they exist even and all that. But yep. but the art of killing a big buck like this, like an eight and a half year old deer, for example, is way harder. Like it yeah, <laughs> it just is just the crazy oh. things they do and all the yeah but it's dude and the best part about deer hunting there is no top man you can never that's what i love about it man just when i think like oh, i'm getting this figured out dude something else will happen i'll be like <sighs> you don't know anything <laughs> and dude i feel like i can hunt the rest of my life and listen to and gather all the information and dude i'll never i'll never learn everything about a man and that's what i think drives me crazy is just trying to learn everything about them their mannerisms what they do and just try to figure them out and someday master it but i don't think there is mastering it you no. can it's just a never-ending pursuit and that's what's yep. so fun love it well thanks for jumping on man one of these days um i'm gonna trick you into going on like a backcountry horse mule extravaganza so i can i'm i'm just I've got this, this pony that's, he's broke enough to go and, uh, you know, I'm going to take him out this year, but there's just so many questions I have. We haven't done a, a ton of like, you know, overnight horse pack trips in my life. We've done plenty of hunting on horses, day hunts, but yep. anyway, that'd be awesome. You'll be set, dude. You'll do. I, it comes easier than you think. And there's a few like logistical things that are a little different, but man, with today's backpacking gear, lightweight gear, I think in combination, yeah, we yeah. we should definitely we should talk about that more. So yep. I'd love to get on with you and do it. So okay, cool, man. Have a good okay. night. 
Yeah, uh, if that doesn't you, get everybody fired up for Mule Deer, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, it last thing with my couple minutes I have left, real quick. Um, and this has nothing to do with Travis necessarily, but we, um, I sent. Uh, well, it does because I've you've ordered backpack logistics food. Um, Dude, they're legit. I love it, man. I love the whole set concept. Yeah, the yeah whole, and perfect. the horse, the horse thing, right? Like, I finally talked Dude. you into that. Like, you know, just just build these little day packs and throw them in your freaking saddlebag. But, um, it's epic. Yeah, I sent piles of these little promo cards to Kafaru, my buddies down there, and you know, basically a fat, fat discount uh, that's going to go out with every pack or frame or what i don't care who they send them to but anyway so this is your warning like if you're a kafaru person or you're thinking about a new pack or a frame i've been really good friends with those guys for a long time and just showing them their guys that are buying their stuff some love so that'll that should be hitting their uh, their doorstep it, they are they'll already have it by the time this episode airs but just thought i'd throw that out there so that's epic yeah yep all right, man. I'm all jacked up on white monsters and big bucks. So let's go find them. <laughs> get out them. there and get one, buddy. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on, yep. brother. <laughs>